Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Church, how's everybody? Good to see everybody. Welcome to those online watching us. We're so glad you're here. I'm Timothy. I'm one of the pastors here. And we just want to say welcome home if you're visiting here. We have a new challenge for all of our guests. We call it the 321 challenge. Are you ready for it? If you are searching for a new church, we want to say give us three Sundays. Because it takes a while to kind of get the heart of a church, the heartbeat of the house. And then we want to encourage you to try out two different small groups. We call them Arden groups. Some people call them Sunday school classes, life groups. It's just Arden groups. And we have a lot of gifted teachers. We want to celebrate all of our groups. They're growing and they're exciting. And then finally, have coffee with one of our leaders. If you don't like coffee, beverage of choice, tea, Dr. Pepper, whatever. Uh, but we want you to, guys to hear the heart of this house so we can get to know you, get to share a little bit about what God is doing in this church. So we want to encourage you to take our 3-2-1 challenge. Today we're going to talk about ministry. And before we get into today's topic, I want to kind of play a review, a recap. For those of you who haven't been with us the past five weeks, i got a little video that will kind of summarize what we've talked about. All right, so today we're going to talk about what it's like to build up the body of Christ. Did you know that each one of you is a bodybuilder? Look at the person next to you and say you're a bodybuilder. And today we're going to call a professional bodybuilder on stage. James Heatherly, come on, come on stage. He's not just a professional bodybuilder, but he owns a gym. And uh, he's going to illustrate what it's like to be like me that you need to get in shape. Anybody else need to get in shape physically? I'll right, be honest. All right, Ocean, you're going to be um, our trainee for the day. So, James, I want you to train Ocean like you would someone in the gym. And this is Ocean's first day in your gym. And his his goal is to get in shape. Now, Ocean, you're single, right? I am single like a mingle. Okay, so he's single. So his goal is to get in shape to meet Mrs. Wright. So let, give him give him a few tips here, James.
That looks heavy, James. How much does that weigh? That is 95 pounds. Wow. That's 75 pounds. Still, it's pretty heavy. Perfect, perfect. Awesome. Now, as we progress, and we, we work and work and work, we're gonna, we, you know, the body's going to get stronger. We're going to build that up. So we're going to add a little weight to that, okay? We, 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 we can do it. The more you work, the more you build the body, the stronger it gets. Wow. Good. Good. That looks Perfect. heavy. I love the effort. Four, four, five. five. Just do five. Good. That's perfect. All right. Set it back down. Bend the knees. Excellent job. Excellent. Really, really good. Good job. Good job. All right. Yes. So they illustrated what we're going to talk about today, that some of us come into the church, we're a little bit spiritually out of shape, right? We don't look like James spiritually. We're just kind of spiritually lethargic. And I I got a confession before we get into a scripture passage. I wasn't always this connected and committed to the church. In fact, I can remember my teenage days. I, I was raised in church, but I got to a point where Every Sunday I had an excuse, mom, my stomach, oh, I've got a headache. And I strung together about, I don't know, three or four weeks skipping church. And I remember waking up feeling so convicted by the Lord, Timothy, you need to get back in church. You are being spiritually lazy, spiritually out of shape. And I remember the next Sunday going back and then after that, God beginning to get a hold of my life. And But there for a while, I was just spiritually out of shape. So today we're going to talk about how... All of you play a vital role in building up the body of Christ because we are the physical representation of God in the world. The Bible says that you are the body of Christ. And the amazing thing about God, the Bible says God is spirit. The problem with spirit is we can't see spirit, right? Unless you're in a spiritual zone, you can't really see spirit. So how do we see what God looks like? Well, Jesus was the solution. He is the visible image of the invisible God. So whenever people saw Jesus, they saw God in the flesh. Well, there's just one problem. Where's Jesus at right now? He's back in heaven. So how are people going to see Jesus? The answer is the church, his bride. We are the body of Christ. So today we're going to be in Ephesians 4. Go ahead and turn there. Welcome to those online. As we jump into verse 7, verses 1 through 6, talked about the unity of the body, how we have one faith, one baptism, one Lord. It is unified. So in verse 7, we're going to talk about even though the church is unified, there's a diversity of gifts in the body. So starting in verse 7, it says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does that mean? But he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth, that he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, 
some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So pause there in verse 12. The word edify, what does that word mean? Someone tell me. To build up, right? This is where we get the theme of bodybuilding. We are building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, that is Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by which every joint supplies according to the effective working. I want you to know this phrase by which every part does its share. You may want to underline that by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that all of us present, those watching online, those of us who claim to follow you, we are the body of Christ. And all of us have a role to be bodybuilders, to build up that body so that in each community where there's a local church, the local church can be a visible representation of you to be your hands and feet. So, Father, I just want to pray for all of us that you would awaken the body today, that we would take our part that we would play our part, that we would do our purpose in the body so that the body can be built up. And as the body is built up, we know that it's going to make a change and a difference in the world. It will make an eternal impact upon those who do not know you. So, Father, we ask that you would awaken your body here, Arden First, that you would build up this body so that we would be a mature church, so that we would be a local representation of what it means to follow Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to talk about bodybuilding. And thank you for James and Ocean for illustrating that. Today I want to give you three truths of what it's like to build up the body of Christ. And these truths, if you take them, you will leave this church today saying, wow, I have an important role to play to build up the body. So the first bodybuilding truth is this. When it comes to grace, you struck it rich. When it comes to grace, you struck it rich. Look back at verse 7 in your scripture passage, if you will. It says in verse 7, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I want you to underline according to the measure. The reality is you and I have been graced. Look at the person next to you and say you've been graced. Because of grace, God treats you far better than what you deserve Because Jesus took what you deserved. Because of grace, your life now has a purpose. Because of grace, God looks upon you with a smile. Because of grace, your life is teeming with meaning and purpose. Because of grace, you can walk around with a little bit of spiritual swagger in every step. Because your name is written in glory. Your sins have been forgiven. You have been brought from death to life. God is going to turn the messes in your life into your purpose right now. God's going to turn your setback into your setup. He's going to turn the worst thing that happened to you. In time, the Bible says God works it all together for what? For good. To those who love him, 
and a call according to your purpose. You have been grace. But notice it says according to the gift of Christ. I want you to look back and just really break down verse seven. This just really struck me. But to each one of us, that's saying every believer has a spiritual gift. All of you have a grace gift. And notice it says it was given according to. I love the word according to. If Jesus was would given something out of, that would be amazing. But according to is a different phrase. Let me explain. If I was a billionaire and I gave you $10, I would give you money out of my wealth. But if I gave you a million dollars, I would give you according to. One is a portion. The other one is in proportion to. How many of you would rather have the proportion instead of the portion? So the thing about it is, when it says he gives us grace according to, it's saying that Jesus has all the grace you could ever imagine. And he doesn't just give you a little bit of grace. He doesn't just give you out of it, but he gives it according to. And because of that, you are gifted, that you have just been blessed by grace. So if you look on your listening guide, there's a bodybuilding tip. And it says, Jesus has given me at least one what? Spiritual gift. And the purpose of that spiritual gift is not so much to build myself up, to, to build the body of Christ in the local church. And I often say, if you're not serving, you're swerving. So here's the thing. All of you have been graced by God. All of you have been gifted in so many ways. And I think an action step that would be good to take is basically to try out a few different serve teams. A lot of times we encourage you to take spiritual gift tests, and those are good. But I think even maybe a more effective way is to try different serve, serve teams. What's a serve team? A serve team is a ministry team. We have multiple, multiple serve teams. We have hospitality team. Lucia helps lead up that on Sunday morning. We have the greeting team. Miss Susan Brown helps with first impressions. We have kids ministry. We have, you name it, there's multiple ministries. So how do I know where I'm gifted? Try out a few different teams. I can tell you this, if I tried out for the worship team, I would find out I wouldn't make it. Why is that? I can't sing very well. You know, and some of you may realize it's okay because God has gifted you a gift that whenever you exercise it, you feel so alive. You feel like you're helping people. You feel energized. Now, what happens when you work outside your gifting? Sometimes you have to because church needs it. Sometimes you feel drained. You ever done something you just feel completely depleted? And that, that's a key indicator that I may be working outside my gift set because when I'm working in my gift, I feel energized. I'm ready to do it again. People ask me, how do you feel after you preach on Sunday? I feel tired, but I'm ready to do it again. I'm excited. I'm energized because I love it. Think about your gift set. So when it comes to grace, you and I have struck it rich. Now, the amazing thing about spiritual gifts, I just want you to think about it. You notice it says, according to this measure of grace. And in Romans 12, it says you have a measure of faith. So we have a measure of grace and we have a measure of faith. Whenever the measure of faith and the measure of grace meet together in your life with your own personality, your own experiences and your spiritual gift set. Did you know that no one has the exact same spiritual gift mix as anyone else on planet Earth? So here's the thing. For those of you who like teaching, let me give you a little secret. Whenever you hear me teach, when you get home, you say, I would have done it this way. Anybody like that? I would have said this. I would I wouldn't have said it that way. Here's the reason why your gift mix is different. Whenever for those of you love music and inside you're feeling the beat and you're like, okay, I love that. But I would have done it this way. How many musicians can relate? 
And that's good. The reason why is your gift mix is kind of like, remember in elementary school, you heard there's no two snowflakes alike. Anybody ever hear that? The same with spiritual gifts. There's no gift mix alike. So I can assure you, I'm different than anyone else that's ever been at this church. You're different. So here, here's a little secret. Don't compare one with another because the gift mixes are different. It's like comparing Pepsi with Dr. Pepper. It's different, right? We're all created differently and we all can be user gift to build up the body of Christ. All right. Number two, the second bodybuilding truth is when it comes to purpose, you are gracefully gifted. So we've been struck rich by grace, number one. But number two, your purpose, there's a grace part here. Look at verse eight. Therefore, when he says he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. So here's the idea. He's quoting, I believe it's Psalm 68, verse eight, if I remember correctly. And the, the imagery is this conquering king comes in and he, he, he wins the victory over the enemy. And back in the day, a conquering king would take spoils. And if he was a nice king, he would give out to some of the, the warriors that helped fought, fought the battles. And the imagery is that Jesus has defeated Satan. And guess what? Instead of him keeping all those spoils to himself, he has poured out his gifts on the church. That's because we serve such generous warrior, a generous king, Jesus, and he's poured out these gifts. Now, when you look at verses 9 and 10, it gets a little interesting. Like, what is he talking about? He ascended. What does that mean? He first descended. And this is where people get very interesting theories about this. Some people say this is talking about Jesus going down to hell. How many of you ever heard that in the Apostles' Creed? He ascended and descended. I think the best interpretation is that is contrasting he, he was in the highest of highs in the glory of heaven, and then he went down to lowly earth. I think that's what it's talking about. I don't think it's talking about Jesus going down to hell and all kinds of craziness. It's No, he put on flesh. God, the eternal son, put on flesh and left the, the highest of highs, the glories of above, and came down to earth even lowly earth. I think that's, that's what it's talking about, the incarnation. And the reason why he did that is because he knew we couldn't live a perfect life. I was talking recently to somebody. They, they made a deathbed confession and some of the family members were saying, that's not fair. That person that didn't live for God all their life, last minute says, Jesus, forgive me. And now they're in heaven. That seems very unfair. And my, my, my response to them was the gospel has this scandalous aspect. And here's the aspect. From a human standpoint, there's going to be people that we consider good that end up in hell. And there's going to be people that we consider bad and wretched and they end up in heaven. And that doesn't seem right, right? It seems like outrage. But here's, here, here's the gospel. That it's not about being good or bad making it to heaven. It's about being forgiven. And the reality is none of us are good enough to get to heaven because to get to heaven you have to be perfect. How many people are perfect here? Zero. And it's not about how bad you are. One sin is enough to send you to hell, right? But here's the good news. Jesus died for all the sins. And the Bible says there's really no one good from God's perspective. And that's why we all come to him. And that's the beautiful thing about grace. His grace was poured on us. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. He defeated Satan. Jesus died to set us free. He paid the price for our sin. And then he ascended back to heaven, which is where we are going one day. So right now, you may be listening you may say, Timothy, that sounds good, but I'm in depression right now. Like I, I suffer from chronic depression. 
I have to take medication just to get up in the morning. And this sounds good, but you don't understand how I feel. There may be someone sitting here today that a spouse that was with you last year is not with you this year. Maybe divorce, maybe death. Some of you are still trying to figure out what God wants to do in your life. You feel like you're stuck. And no matter what spectrum you're on, I want you to get this, that grace is God treating you far better than you deserve because you're in Christ. You are an heir with God and a co-heir with Christ. That when Jesus came, he lived the life that you couldn't live. And then he didn't just stay dead when he died. He rose victoriously so that you can live in victory. There's a certain theology that went around when I was growing up. It was like this. I'm going to hold on till Jesus comes. Anybody ever heard that? I never found that in the Bible. The Bible gives us this victory motif that because Jesus rose from the dead, I have resurrection power living on the inside. And no, I'm not going to hold on till Jesus comes. I'm not going to sit on my blessed assurance. But no, I've got work to do. As long as you've got breath in your lungs, he's got a purpose for you, right? He's got work for you to do. So don't have the mentality, I'm just going to hang out till Jesus comes. No, you are a bodybuilder. You are building up the body of Christ. So when it comes to purpose, he's given you a grace gift. Every believer has at least one gift. Most of you have many gifts. Let me illustrate it before we go to our final point like this. How many of you remember back in the day when you moved into a new neighborhood, they gave you like a welcome to the neighborhood gift? Anybody remember that? How many of you have ever experienced that recently? Ain't nobody? <laughs> See how culture, one person, okay. Back in the day, let's just say a few decades ago, when you moved into a neighborhood, they would show up with a pound cake, they would show up with like a chocolate cream pie, maybe a, a ham, and they would say, we're so glad you're part of this neighborhood, welcome to the neighborhood. So here's what happens spiritually, I want you guys to get this, we're talking about grace gifts, that whenever you become born again, when you ask Jesus to save you, to forgive you, to come into your life, immediately in that very moment in time, guess what happens? You know for certain that your name is written in heaven. You have eternal life. Eternal life begins that moment. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, he moves to live inside you. So you have the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit living in you. And then not only that, but you have at least one spiritual gift. It's like, welcome to the family. I'm going to give you the gift of teaching, or I'm going to give you this gift of encouragement. I'm going to give you the gift of giving, whatever, administration, leadership, he gives you a gift that, that you have. And here's the cool part. Did you guys know you have family that you've never met before? Think about all the people that have died and went to heaven. Think about millions of people. How many of you have ever met Abraham? No one's that old, right? <laughs> Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David. We've never met him. But guess what? You're part of the spiritual family. So whenever you get to heaven, you'll be like, Isaac, wow, Jacob, Peter, why did you cut that guy's ear off? You know, like it's, it's just going to be. So think about it. Welcome to the family. You when I say that you are gracefully gifted, I don't even scratch the surface. There are gifts that you've never even experienced. There are people that you're going to meet that's just going to be like, wow, I had no idea. So you may want to write in your notes right now. You're one family in two locations. You've got an earthly family and you've got a heavenly family. I cannot wait to we got forever to spend with all these people. You get to hear all of their stories. All right, number three, how many, how many of you are encouraged yet? All right, I may step on your toes this last point, so just, just a little warning you. Whenever you work out, you know, bodybuilding, does anybody tell me a few days after you work out, what do you feel? A little 
soreness. It's lactic acid. So this may be a little toe-stepping, but it's for your good, okay? I say it with a smile. When it comes to ministry, you are called to do your part. You are called to do your part. So in verse 11, he tells us that not only did God give us gifts, but God gave us gifted leaders. He gave us gifted leaders to the church. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, several years back, Rick Warren came up with an acrostic called SHAPE. Has anybody ever heard of that? Let's, let's throw this on the screen, SHAPE. And this really helped me. This is like 20 years ago when I was a seminary student at Fruitland. Got my Fruitland students up here. Um, basically, this helped me. How do I know what my gift is? How do, how do I discover it? And this acrostic helped me. The S stands for spiritual gifts, that God has gifted you a gift. And you, you, you unpack the gift by learning how God's made you. How, what are you passionate about? Where, where do people affirm you in the body of Christ? So going back to when I was 14, 15, I didn't really understand fully what God was doing, but people began to affirm me. I see you being the next, and they would call out a famous pastor. I see you being a pastor, a preacher, preacher kid. Right. Where's Brad Parker? I saw him. You remember that, right? I was 14 and I'm like, okay, maybe there's something to it. So I started doing it and I started exploring it. And 25 years later, I'm still doing it. Right. All right. H is your heart. So what are you passionate about? What makes you feel alive on the inside? These are going to be indicators for your spiritual gift, how you're shaped. If you do not like something, it's not to say that you're never called to help in that, but that may not be your spiritual gifting. All right, this is abilities. This is separate from your spiritual gifts, but God has often given us abilities. Think about how many talents and skill sets you have. God can use that in your mix. Now, it's different than a spiritual gift, but abilities God can use. All right, personality. She's got personality. All of you have a personality, right? Did you know that God wants to use that in your gift mix? And it's it's interesting that, you know, when I was first getting started in ministry, I said, man, there's some weird Christians out there. And then I would go to Walmart and I would say, there's some weird lost people out there. And what I realized, it had nothing to do with spiritual gifts. It was a personality, right? And some people think I'm weird. And that's a, we're all different, right? And then E is your experiences. Did you realize that God is going to use everything in your life? If you will surrender it to him, he's going to use it to help build others up. There are so many people that used to be addicted to drugs. And guess what? They help people with celebrate recovery right now. There's so many people that lost a spouse to death and now they're helping with uh, grief share and bereavement ministry. There's so many people that were financially bankrupt and they got out of it, got out of debt. And now they're reading, leading financial university ministries and helping people with their finances. So here's the thing. God has shaped you. All of you have that shape. So let's look at the gifted leaders starting in verse 11. It says he himself gave some to be apostles. So what is an apostle? Now, I got to define the difference. There's a difference between the office of and the gifting of. So the office where people a lot of times Bible scholars get tripped up and say there's no more apostles. And what they're saying is the office. There's no 12 apostles left. Right. They, they have died and gone to be with glory and whether with the Lord. So here's the thing. Apostle is not just the 12 talking about the office but the gifting is someone that's sent it literally means someone sent so here's the thing what does that look like in the church today we don't have the 12 apostles we don't have anyone writing scripture but do churches send out missionaries sometime do people start church plants sometime that's the gift of an apostle it's literally a visionary pioneer 
one sitting on a mission, something they may say or the vibe they may have is let's go to a new horizon. Let's plant a church where Christ is not known. Let's start a ministry where this is really needed. That's an apostle. All right. What about prophet? When you think of prophet, most people think of the Old Testament prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah. And again, there's a difference between the office of a prophet, someone that's like thus says the Lord and it's a global application. And there's a difference between the gifting of prophetic. The gifting of prophetic is different than the office. There's no one today that can write scripture. The, the Bible's closed. But are there certain people that will speak for God and say, you need to get right with God? Are there certain people that can take the scriptures and give you a bold, authoritative message where you feel convicted by the Holy Spirit? That, that's kind of the black and white thinkers. These are the people that are like, you need to get right with God. So one of their sayings would be, let's get back on track. You're over here. You need to get over here. So for those of you who are black and white thinkers, you really enjoy the prophetic because it's black and white. This is what the Bible says. I believe the word. There's no compromise. All right. Let's go to the next gift. Evangelist. What is an evangelist? Often when I think of evangelist, I think of my good friend, Randy Shepard. How many of you know Randy Shepard? We're going to get him to come speak here in a few weeks. Randy is a guy that when he breathes, the gospel comes out. Like I remember many years ago, we were downtown Asheville. He would stop people in the middle of the road and say, are you saved? Have you turned to Jesus? Have you repented of your sins? And I'm like, whoa, how do you do that? It just every time he breathed, the gospel would flow. That's a gifting. Here's the thing. We're all to be evangelistic, but some people have the gifting of equipping the body. Notice that the, the phrase is equipping the body. So their their main thing would be you need to be saved. What? Today. That, that's 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 a that's someone that has the gift of evangelism. All right. Now, the next one in the Greek, it's kind of a hyphen. It's pastor slash teacher. And the reason why I say a hyphen is sometimes we try to separate the two. We have people that are good preaching and good, that are shepherding. But the way God's called the pastor teacher, they're to be gifted at both. So the pastor is the compassionate leader and the teacher is the practical communicator. So just a show of hands, how many of you have ever been in a church where the person was a good shepherd but they couldn't preach? Better not raise your hand right now for this one, right? So, yeah, but, you know, in, in the past, or you know somebody or they were really good at communication, but they were horrible, lousy at one on one shepherding. You ever been there? They could they could preach the pain on the walls, but you couldn't talk to them one on one. All of us can nod. The way God designed it is that person should be good at both. So here's the thing. Every pastor should be a good teacher, but not every teacher is called to be a pastor. So I'll say that again. Every pastor should be a good teacher, but not every teacher is called to be a pastor. It's kind of like every mom is a woman, but not every woman is a mom. You guys get the distinction? You're like, okay, I get it. So in other words, to be a mom, you have to be a woman, right? But just because you're a woman doesn't mean you've had kids. So here's the thing. God has gifted us so differently. And the the, the goal for that is notice it's to equip the body. It's to build up the body of Christ. And the thing about these gifts, as you look at them, is I am only gifted at a few of them. You are only gifted at a few of them. And the challenge, what happens is it's kind of like football. How many how many players are on the field? See by now? Twenty two, right? I think it's twenty two. Am I right? Twenty two players. OK. And you have twenty two people sweating, playing their guts out in desperate need of a break. And then you've got a 
100,000 people in the stands cheering them on desperately need of exercise. And sometimes the church functions that way. Ocean, uh, if you'll go get my other illustration. Ocean is getting a workout today in many ways. So, let me open this back door here. You're like, what is Ocean doing back here? I need, for this one, I need five volunteers. Just come on up until we get five. You don't know what's in the bag yet. Come on up. Bryson, you guys, come on up. Adam, come on up, Adam. (laughs) All right. We can have more than five. Come on, we can have six. That's fine. All right. So you guys want to know what's in the bag, right? So you want to know in the bag? It looks light and fluffy. These represent ministries. So uh, Adam is uh, really good with students. So Adam, I want you to kind of balance this. You got to keep it off the ground. I'm going to throw you a balloon. Just start balancing. Don't let it hit the ground. Keep tapping it. All right. So he's doing student ministry. Let's say you're also helping out. You're helping out with tech. All right. You got to do it. Ocean is uh, leading, say, the 20-somethings. All right, Bryson, what are you doing? What ministry? First impressions. First impressions. All right, Zach, you got a ministry. What you got? All right, what ministry do you have? All right, so they're doing it. But here's the thing. There's a lot of needs. This church, just so you know, a lot of you don't come to the first service. We have about almost 400 active members that come at least once a month. And they're doing all these ministries, but guess what? We need help with the kids. All right, someone called in sick. Um, you know what? Our giving's a little down, so you need to step it up. We need to, you to fill in the gap. All right, we need building and grounds help. All right, what else needs to be done at the church? We need coffee brewed for the hospitality ministry. We need ushers. All right, we need help with the students. We need you to start a new class. And what happens is things start hitting the ground, right? (laughs) And eventually they're going to get hurt or burned out. All right, let's give them a hand. You'll help me pack these balloons here real fast. So you guys stay on stage. I I need five on stage. I got something you guys don't know about. Just stand, stand right here. Just stand right here. All right. All right, I had to rip these here. So, all of those balloons were filled with air, right? What's the difference between these balloons? It's a different type, right? Something different. So, here's what happens. When everyone does their part, when the Holy Spirit is filling each person, all right, let's see. Here's your ministry. Here's your ministry. Is that a lot easier? Here's your ministry. This is when a church is healthy and active and each person doing their part. How does that feel? And this is really the illustration that the pastor's job and the ministry's job is to equip the saints. And if we don't equip the saints, what we're doing is this. We're kind of balancing juggling acts. And what happens? Things start to crash and burn because... We're doing the ministry instead of Ephesians 4. What does Ephesians 4, 12 say? Our job is to equip the saints. And what I want to encourage all of you is to think about your role in the body of Christ. Are we a mature, thriving church? 
Or do we have just a few that are kind of balancing everything? All right, let's give these guys a hand. You guys can take your balloons with you. It's your souvenir for today. Thank you, Ocean. Always, brother. Love you. Love you too, brother. So I want you to look back in the scripture on your listening guide. If you'll pull out the last page, I kind of want to hit. Um, we talked about the job description of leaders is E3. So I want you to this is the page two. It's to encourage, equip, and empower believers. Did you know that I am called to be the CEO, chief equipping officer? You're like, oh, the chief equipping officer. That's my job. My job is to equip you so together we're doing the ministry. So look on the back page. What does a spiritually mature church look like when everyone's doing their part? The Bible says that we will become more and more like Jesus every day. Like the goal in verse 13, till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the goal is we want to be more Christ-like. We can discern truth from error. We don't want to be like a little child. The Greek word has to do with nursing infants. So an under age of under three. Isn't it? Wouldn't it be weird if you saw a 10 year old still nursing? That would be kind of bizarre, right? They're like, oh, yeah, that'd be weird. So here's the idea. God doesn't want us to be spiritual infants longer than what's necessary. He wants us to develop and grow. Don't don't be like little nursing infants. Learn how to speak the truth in love. Verse 15. Use your spiritual gifts to build the body. And notice verse 16, what happens when we all do our part? I want you to read verse 16 again. This is so beautiful. It says, the whole body join and knit together by which every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which each part does its share. Notice what happened. It causes growth of the body for edifying of itself in love. So here's the tip. You guys are called and equipped to build up the body. And I just want to give you kind of a look behind the scenes. If I could just kind of just kind of open the curtain and tell you what's going on behind the scenes right now, even though our church is growing at such a fast rate, the Lord has blessed it. God is pouring out his grace. As I mentioned, the numbers are highest it's been in decades. We're almost up to about 400 active attendees. Uh, baptisms are a record. Every number is up and to the right except one. And that's giving. And what happens in a church Right now we have just three full-time staff, and if you guys could see behind the scenes, it's Joe and Amy, myself, hitting all these balloons and try not to have any fall. And kind of where we're at now, I just want to kind of just speak truthfully to you in love, is that unless we hire more support staff, what will eventually happen to the church? We can't continue to maintain the growth. You guys have seen it in other churches. It will eventually plateau and decline. So that's my challenge to you is all of us to step up. To do your part in your time, your treasures, your talent. Think about the most valuable commodity you have is time. How are you using that time to serve the church? Think about your treasure. Our church financial treasurer pulled a report. He's like, I'm not going to show you the names. I'm just going to tell you the reality. Why the church is in a deficit financially. He said 43 of your church members are doing 80% of all the giving. And he said what that equates to is 20% of the people. So get this, that you could look at that negatively. Only 43 people are doing 80% of it all. But here's the positive aspect. What would happen if that number grew to 80% involvement? Now think about what 43 people are funding the majority of this ministry. Can you imagine if that number grew to 80% of the church, what we could do? 
On our missions, we have about 10 partners that we want to pour out into. Um, partners like Mountain Area Pregnancy Center that help women and encourage them to keep the child. Uh, we have partners such as like One More Child, Susan Brown's a part of, that help with human trafficking and help children with meals. We have partners like uh, Youth for Christ, Scott Shives in the back. We have multiple partners. And here's the thing. We want to help our partners, but it's hard to if, if, if we're struggling ourselves. So here's the challenge. If we will get into the gym, spiritually speaking, and all do our part, you know what's going to happen? This church has the potential to, to change Arden and beyond. I, I just want to kind of give you behind the scenes that will be encouragement. Did you know this church is in the dead center of 60,000 people, five mile radius? Like we're in the dead center of South Asheville. Did you know that this building is debt free? We have no debt on this building. It's all debt free. And this building, Ms. Doc Carter, I was talking to her earlier. Has it been 60 plus years you've been here? It's about 65 years. She's been here through the decades. Let's give her a hand for what she's done. And uh, Miss Dot and others built this building with vision. I want you guys, when you get a chance to walk around, we have three stories. We have more than 20 classrooms potential. I mean, this church has potential to literally reach hundreds and even thousands of people in this community. And everything's in place. We've got the people, we've got, we got the building, we've got the location. All we need is for you and to me to step up and to say, I'm not going to be part of the 80% not involved. I'm going to become part of the 20 and I'm going to grow. Where every body part does their part and guess what happens? The body, verse 16, says what? It grows in love. So if we're doing this much with 20% involvement, could you imagine what would happen if we had 100%? Even 60-80%. The world would just take notice. Look at that church. A few years ago that church was about to close down. And now they were shaking Asheville and Arden and beyond with the gospel. How many of you want to be that church? Alright, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth that changes our hearts. And God, I'm encouraged that we're seeing such effectiveness with 20%. I can't imagine why I can't imagine what it'd be like if all 100 percent who call this church their home said, I'm going to give my time. I'm going to give my spiritual gift to the church. I'm going to give my treasures to the church. And it's not to build me up or to meet my needs, but it's to impact the world with the gospel. So, Father, I just want to pray for believers first. And as you're praying, I just want to pray for you right where you're sitting. For those of you listening online, I want to pray for you. For those of you that are part of the 80% that haven't really got very active in serving, in giving, and being a part of the church, just tell God. He already knows. Just say, God, after this message, I'm going to make steps to become part of the team that's building up the body. To give them my time, my resources, my abilities, my heart to the ministry of this church, which is a representation of Christ in the world. Forgive me for holding back. And help me to step it up to be part of building the body of Christ. As the believers continue to pray, there may be one here today that you're not a part of the family of God. You may believe in Jesus. You may know that he died for you, but you've never accepted the free gift of salvation. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And that the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So if you've never asked Jesus to save you. If you've never asked Jesus to forgive you, then today is your day. Right where you're sitting, 
whether in person or online, I want you to say this prayer. The Bible says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So say this prayer. Say, Jesus, I do believe the gospel. I believe that you died on the cross. You were buried and you rose the third day. And Jesus, I ask that you would save me. Jesus, save me. Take away of all of my sins. I ask for your forgiveness. And today I start living for you as a follower of you. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Thank you.